Hello, I'm Tom Hauser. Minnesotans are just starting to thaw out from what has been a historic deep freeze. Schools across the state are now turning to state officials for some extra guidance after canceling so many classes for four days last week. The Department of Education says the average school calendar has 170 days of instruction with the minimum number allowed being 165. The commissioner says her department will work with districts if they can't make up those lost days. They are going to exhaust every option they have in their communities. And, and at the end of that experience, if they really feel like they need additional support, I, I would expect that they're going to approach us. They're going to approach their, their elected representatives to say, like, here's the additional flexibility we need or here's the additional support we need. Governor Walls has assured school districts they won't be penalized for having too few days or too few instructional hours due to the frigid weather. In Minnesota, prosecutors have a limited amount of time to file charges in most criminal sexual conduct cases. Now a new bill could lead to the elimination of the statute of limitations for many of those crimes. This week, the House Public Safety Committee also heard an overview of how sexual assault cases are investigated and took testimony on a bill that would require law enforcement agencies to adopt standard and specific policies for investigating sexual assaults. They also heard a proposal to create a working group to look into eliminating the statute of limitations for many criminal sexual conduct cases. The committee heard testimony from several victims who voiced support for all the changes. Several of the sexual assault survivors voiced frustration with the current law that doesn't allow many sexual assault cases to be charged nine years after commission of the crime. Just this past December, I shared that I was assaulted when I was 12. So that was just a month, over a month ago. And afterwards, five women from the Muslim community, all women of color, reached out to me and said that the same man had assaulted them. It's been 15 years, and I've just become comfortable enough to talk about this. And now the statute of limitations does not protect me. I'm very excited that when I do bring my bill back, it has a component of eliminating the statute of limitations. And so, and maybe, um, maybe they still can't go to court because you still need to prove it in a court of law beyond a reasonable doubt. But I think it gives some dignity back to those that were victimized and realized that those cases do matter, your trauma does matter. The statute of limitations bill is among several related to strengthening criminal sexual conduct laws that have a chance to be enacted this legislative session. A controversial new law in New York that allows abortions right up to the point of birth is getting attention at Minnesota's state capitol. Dozens of Republican state lawmakers stood shoulder to shoulder this week to show their opposition to the New York law. At this time, there's no effort to create a similar law in Minnesota, but abortion opponents say they want to get ahead of a law they consider, quote, barbaric. We're putting a stake in the ground in Minnesota and saying that's not going to happen here. And, and it's my hope that other states and leaders of other states will also stand up and say, you know, even, frankly, that this is too far. Supporters of the New York law say it is meant to protect a woman if her health or life is at risk or if the fetus is not viable. A similar bill allowing last-minute abortions was introduced in Virginia but has been tabled in the legislature there. Two bills that would legalize recreational marijuana have been introduced at the Capitol. They would make it legal for Minnesotans over 21 to use and possess small amounts of marijuana. And it would be highly regulated by the state. Eric Shalou has the story. 
Legalized recreational marijuana in Minnesota. That's what new legislation would allow if passed. Three months ago, I could not have envisioned myself standing at a podium uh, speaking on a marijuana issue. But Republican Senator Scott Jensen, who is a family medicine doctor, says a recent town hall meeting in Carver County convinced him it's time. They've said, Doc, with your scientific background, your awareness of what's going on in the field, you need to do this. Just because something's legal, as uh, Senator Jensen has alluded to, doesn't make it that it's perfectly safe, right? There's opioids aren't perfectly safe, and they're legal to prescribe. DFL Senator Melissa Franzen of Edina says tobacco and alcohol are legal, but not good for you. Marijuana should be viewed, she says, in the same light. Franzen's marijuana bill number 420, she says, addresses public health and safety interests by state regulation of growing sales and taxation. By doing so, we are making it safer by removing the need for the black market to exist. Bill backers admit it's a controversial topic. Will legalize pot advance at the Capitol or go up and smoke? My personal hope is that we're not one of them. Senate Majority Leader Paul Gazelka says he hopes Minnesota doesn't join other states that have legalized pot. Gazelka says he won't block it, but is concerned about increased accidents on the roads. I think they'll probably come to the same place that I did where maybe it's not a wise step to take. Eric Shalou, 5 Eyewitness News. Now, one of those bills does mention punishment for drivers using pot when they're behind the wheel. Financial specifics, including the state tax rate or projected revenue, still needs to be calculated. There is a push to stiffen the penalties for people who repeatedly drive with a revoked or expired license. This bill attempts to craft a balance uh, between the two sides of, of the story of those who uh, our victims, as well as those who are driving in a menacing manner. The bill is known as Macy's Law, named after Macy Kujava of Niswa. She and her daughter were severely injured in a crash in 2015 caused by a man driving on a revoked license. The bill would create a three-strikes approach for people who drive with a revoked license and increase the penalties if they cause a crash that results in injury or death. This week, the House Public Safety Committee held its first hearing to consider creating a task force focused on missing and murdered indigenous women. Five Eyewitness News has reported extensively on missing Minnesotans. Kevin Doran has an in-depth look on why supporters say this bill is so necessary. JoJo Boswell is a 19-year-old Native American woman from Minneapolis who vanished in 2005. I found all kinds of pictures of JoJo on missing persons websites, but not one news story about her disappearance. Her family believes JoJo has been forgotten. It's unusual for her to just disappear. Yes, yes. I just miss just being able to give her a hug and give her a kiss every time I, they go. I always tell my, my girls goodbye, I love you. And I, don't, I haven't been able to say that for almost 12 years. Well, JoJo's story is really the typical story of missing and murdering, murdered indigenous women across the nation. State Representative Mary Kunish Podine, a descendant of the Standing Rock Lakota tribe, says when indigenous women vanish, investigators are often slow to respond or it's never reported at all. They just sort of disappear off the face of the earth, never to be heard of again. How many native women are missing? I don't think we know. Nicole Matthews is executive director of the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. You know, we did a report where we interviewed 105 Native women here in Minnesota and their experiences being used in prostitution and trafficking. Nearly all of the women talked about other Native women 
that had been used in trafficking that had simply gone missing and no one had seen or heard from them again. A study from the Urban Indian Health Institute highlights the problem. Numbers from the National Crime Information Center show that in 2016, there were 5,712 reports of missing and murdered indigenous women and girls. Yet, only 116 were logged into the Department of Justice's NamUs Missing Persons Database. The Urban Indian Health Institute is researching why there is a disparity. It's all so complicated, and it's not just one thing or one agency or one um, program that isn't working. It's all of it. Kunish Podine is proposing legislation to create a task force on missing and murdered indigenous women. These are some of their faces. Kunish Podine says we have no idea how many there are or why they disappear. She hopes the task force will get state, federal, and tribal agencies on the same page to communicate better, create more accurate information to share, and build a database to track missing and murdered indigenous women. To simply ignore that they're missing, to simply ignore this issue and brush it away is wrong. It's morally wrong, and I think it's time. It's certainly time for Minnesota to step up and do something about it. It'll be the story of Jojo. Perhaps her spirit and her soul has come back and she's she's working miracles behind the scenes, but uh, hopefully it will acknowledge her life and recognize that, that she was a, a valued person and, and she was loved and um, we need to make sure that everybody remembers that. Kevin Dorn, 5 Eyewitness News. Next month, there will be another effort to draw attention to women like JoJo Boswell. The annual Murdered and Missing Indigenous Women's Memorial March is happening February 14th in Minneapolis. We have more information on that inside this story at KSTP.com. On this Super Bowl Sunday, we want to take a moment to remember former state senator Dwayne Benson, who once played in a Super Bowl before serving the people of Minnesota. Benson died last week after battling cancer. He wore many hats in his lifetime, including as a professional football player. He played in Super Bowl II with the Oakland Raiders. Benson served in the Minnesota State Senate from 1980 to 1994. Four of those years, he was the Republican minority leader. Benson also served on the Minnesota Sports Facilities Commission and was executive director of the Minnesota Early Learning Partnership. When not at the Capitol, Benson worked on his ranch in the Lanesboro area. Dwayne Benson was 73 years old. Up next, Brian Melendez and Brian McDaniel will join me for political analysis. And your neighborhood lemonade stand could get some extra protection from being shut down. You heard me right, how some lawmakers are coming to the aid of some young entrepreneurs. I like making my own money so I can buy stuff. And I'm sure a lot of other kids would like to do that too. And I like his idea. <laughs> if you want to pass any bill at the legislature, get a cute kid involved. Minnesota kids made their case this week for more freedom when it comes to running lemonade stands. And they have a state senator trying to help them. Aspiring entrepreneurs joined Senator Roger Chamberlain and other lawmakers to introduce the lemonade stand bill. It would get rid of permits and food safety training regulations for kids operating temporary lemonade stands and some food stands. And by the way, they also were generous enough to hand out free lemonade. So the kids are learning a lot about the political process. <laughs> Get to lawmakers through their stomachs. And being cute doesn't hurt either. Uh, joining me now, Brian McDaniel and Brian Melendez, talk a little bit about uh, politics, not just lemonade. Mm -hmm. 
let's start by talking about the fundraising totals that have come out this week uh, from the 2018 elections. And to the surprise of no one, Brian McDaniel, your party, the Republicans, badly outspent by Democrats in almost every state race. What? I thought we were the party of big money and all the evil, uh, dark spending by the Koch brothers and whatnot. No, in Minnesota, might be different in other states, in Minnesota, the Democrats have for a long time had a substantial uh, cash advantage when it comes to both from the state party and from outside groups. And of course, the Minnesota Republican Party got into some deep financial trouble several years ago, still trying to dig their way out of that. But Brian Melendez, one thing that we saw in this election was that in the governor's race in particular, Tim Walls, about a two-to-one advantage over Jeff Johnson. Uh, and they probably could have spent equal amounts of money and the outcome would have been roughly the same. And, and by the way, uh, Brian McDaniel, the, the Republicans are the party that has money but holds on to it. <laughs> <laughs> they just, are they just not spending it not uh, bad, properly? Not a bad thing. Are they just not spending it uh, properly, or are they not able to raise the money? What have, why the disparity? Well, I think the difference is, is that, you know, the state party in Minnesota, as you said, has been in trouble for a long time. Um, though having worked for, you know, the House of Representatives and their campaigns, it, it, the, there was never an extreme reliance on the state party for that. Um, I think part of it is that the Democrats are just, have been very motivated here, and, uh, you know, with, uh, with uh, some, 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 Democrats, they have very deep pockets, and they've been very generous. And has President Trump perhaps been the best fundraiser for Democrats? I mean, people are willing to open their, their well, wallets. Well, very, very much so, because I think people have a clearer understanding of, of what's at stake and, and, and what a federal government that is, that is not working for you, literally, uh, can do, what kind of damage it can do. So, yes, I think people are opening up their pocketbooks. Now, speaking of, of elections, uh, Cory Booker, a Democratic senator from New Jersey, got into the race on Friday, made it formal on The View, although he had put out a Twitter announcement ahead of that. Uh, it's got a lot of people in Minnesota asking, uh, what is Amy Klobuchar waiting for if she's going to get into the race? And Brian Melendez, most signs point to the fact she's going to get in. Uh, it does look that way. I mean, she's been the most popular politician in Minnesota for, for you know, half a generation now. Um, uh, I think everybody takes her very seriously as a candidate, and she got a big boost from uh, George Will's column in the Washington Post this week. He used to be a conservative. Yeah, and we have a, a screenshot of that. Uh, George Will, a conservative columnist, said... Uh, Brian McDaniel, essentially, she might be the Democrats' best hope. Well, as goes George Will, so goes the nation. I'm not sure, <laughs> I'm not sure that that's true anymore. Um, well, first of all, she needs to give herself a great nickname like Cory Booker did when he said that he's Spartacus. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, when, when I see uh, Senator Klobuchar, I mean, she's a very talented politician and uh, with a lot of integrity, um, doesn't have necessarily that spark. And I think that charisma is the key to opportunity. But she is a fantastic um, counterbalance to Kamala Harris and Cory Booker, some of these more bombastic Democrats who might not be any different rhetorically than Trump as far as just trying to be outrageous. And a lot of people talk about her as a potential vice presidential running mate, but I think to get herself into that position, chances are she's still going to announce a presidential run because then that gives her uh, maybe the the entry into the vice presidential race, if that's what ends up happening. We'll see what happens. Uh, one other thing I wanted to get to with you guys, a lot of talk about criminal sexual conduct, especially the statute of limitations for many of those serious crimes. Uh, Brian, how likely is that? How hard is it to change statute of limitations. These things have been enshrined in law for a long time. Well, it, it takes the same as it takes to change any other statute. You've just got to get a majority in both houses and get the governor to sign it. And it looks like there is some bipartisan support for, for reforms that are badly needed in this area.
And is that likely to happen? It seems like there's a, a wave of interest in this. I think, I think that there is a lot of interest, and I think Brian's right that there is bipartisan interest in it. Uh, the attorney in me um, understands this. The politician political person in me is a little bit worried that it'll be weaponized somewhere down the road, but I think that that is a, that it, that's far down the list of concerns on this. I think this is something, an area that needs a lot more attention, and it's finally getting it. Well, it got a lot of attention this week. Of course, everybody waiting for the budget to come out February 19th from Governor Walls, and then everybody will be talking about money after that point. So, Brian and Brian, thanks for being here. Up next, Andrea Makros and Andy Brem will join me for Face Off. We're back in two minutes. The deep freeze this past week definitely presented its challenges at the state capitol. The Senate canceled all of its hearings and events Wednesday due to the dangerous wind chills. The Minnesota House continued business as usual. House Speaker Melissa Hortman and Minority Leader Kurt Dowd even surprised one committee with donuts. Lots of lawmakers also brought their kids to the capitol because many of them had no school or daycare this week, so it really looked like a real family atmosphere at the state capitol. Andrea Makros, Andy Brem, thank you both for being here. Let's talk uh, a little bit about President Trump. We haven't talked about him much yet this show. We don't think there's going to be another government shutdown on February 15th because, Andrea, the, the president came out and said this week he's going to go ahead and build that wall with or without Congress's uh, permission. What's the likelihood of that happening? You know, I think both sides have staked out their positions pretty clearly. And if President Trump has accomplished one thing here, it's actually unifying the Democrats around this position. And I would encourage him to follow through with his campaign promise of having Mexico pay for that wall. And so far, Mexico has been reluctant uh, to build a wall. Uh, where do you see this going February 15th? Well, I think the president's position has been completely reasonable. I mean, I'm willing to criticize President Trump when he's wrong. But on this, he's asking for $5 billion to build a wall, which is legitimate. There are parts of the border that already has a wall. So I think Democrats look very unreasonable, very unwilling to come to the table by having a willingness to shut down the government over this. I mean, this should get done. The president ran on it, and he was elected. And is that one of the reasons why Democrats will not give in on this, because they do not want to allow him to fulfill one of his main campaign promises? You know, I think there are plenty of areas that could address immigration reform that $5 billion could go a long way, that could make a real difference, and that are areas of common ground, but the wall is just not going to be one of them. All right. Well, speaking of uh, presidential politics, uh, Cory Booker, the latest Democrat to get in, I think the number is now up to nine. We've been talking about Amy Klobuchar. In fact, a lot of people talking about her. We have a cartoon from The New Yorker where she is among the many Democrats who are mentioned in this cartoon. And, Andrea, if you aspire to be president, it's important to at least be in the conversation, and she certainly is with George Will's column and then this cartoon. You know, lots of buzz around her, I think partly because she fills a niche that we haven't seen in this race yet, and that is the moderate, common-sense Midwesterner. That's really where Democrats had their success in the 2018 elections. When you look in Kansas, Iowa, it was the exact profile of uh, Amy Klobuchar, which is why she could really be the perfect candidate. Because so many of the Democrats who are now in the race are considered very far to the left. Yeah, and it looks as though the Democratic Party is heading that direction. That may be uh, hard for Amy Klobuchar to get into this race. I mean, the extreme uh, measures on abortion that they're taking on the East Coast, uh, the rampant opposition to the wall. I don't know if she has a place in this party that's veering so hard to the left. All right, well, it's going to be fascinating to watch, and we're not sure when her announcement is coming or if it's coming, although the betting people would say she's going to get into the race at some point. Let's talk uh, quickly about recreational marijuana. 
Is this the year that this is going to happen in Minnesota, or is this one of those things that's going to take a process of two, three, maybe even four years? You know, I think Senator Gazelka has been pretty clear that this is not going anywhere in the Republican-led Senate, but that said, it's clearly an issue that needs to have a conversation, particularly the criminal justice aspect that has disproportionately affected communities of color. That's a conversation that is overdue and that needs to be had at the legislature. And, and it's it's not just a, a simple thing where you say, well, let's just decriminalize marijuana. Then you got to figure out how to regulate it, uh, how to tax it, where does the revenue go, how do you keep people who are high off the roads the way we try to do with alcohol. This is not something that can be hammered out very quickly. Certainly not. And if you look at other states that have made it available, legalized it broadly, uh, huge problems, huge complications, huge, ex huge expenses for, for state and local government. So I think it's a bad idea, but I certainly don't think that it's a major priority for state government. We've got some other big problems. We should address those. Not to mention the federal government still doesn't allow the banking system to even allow money from banks to be used in these transactions. That's another hurdle, isn't it? It's certainly a very complicated issue on many fronts, but this is why you start the conversation. And you don't think it's this is the year? Not this year. Hopefully not any year, but definitely not this year. All right. Andy and Andrea, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Brian and Brian, Andy and Andrea. This is, I love the city. <laughs> Keep it easy. Keep it easy. <laughs> Up next, uh, is Minnesota going to the dogs? The push to name an official Minnesota state dog when we come back. Minnesota has a state bird, the loon, even a state sport, hockey. Is it time for a state dog? At the Capitol on Tuesday, state leaders introduced a bill that would name the Labrador Retriever as Minnesota's state dog. It's called Raven's Bill. Supporters say it would bring a little joy back to the Capitol. I think this is a great way to build relationships uh, in our caucuses. Uh, we look at the dogs down here and they're having a good time getting along together and maybe we should take that as our example. So I know you're asking why a Labrador? Labradors also um, are part of Minnesota's heritage, our waterfowling heritage. Minnesota is very famous as a duck and goose hunting state, still is, and uh, uh, Labradors did the work in the duck blinds. That, of course, is Ron Shera of TV fame. He says the Labrador, like his dog Raven, can be symbolic of all good dogs. We'll let you know what happens as the bill makes its way through the state legislature. And congratulations to John Collins of Fridley for winning this year's Pioneer Press medallion hunt. He found it Wednesday night in Long Lake Park in New Brighton just after the 12th and final clue came out. Collins gets a cool $10,000 for finding the medallion. The medallion hunt happens in connection with the St. Paul Winter Carnival, of course, which wraps up today. We like to see what you have to say about At Issue. Send us your feedback and let us know what issues you'd like to see on the show. Write to at issue at kstp.com. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for my name, Tom Hauser, or At Issue. You can also find me on Twitter at thauserkstp. And that is all the time we have for now. We hope to see you back here again next week for another edition of At Issue.